Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, showing you the way to becoming a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes feel like events, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into the episode. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 248. So I'm recording this on July 6th, 2023, and this will go live on the 10th. And so here in Boston, um, we're in the thick of the summer. It is so humid today. Oh my goodness. I don't know where you are, but um, if you're anywhere near me or on the East Coast or really a lot of different places in the United States, it's really, really hot So we are in the thick of summer, and I hope you're having a good one so far. What I wanted to talk about today with you is inspired by some conversations, (laughs) to catch a phrase, um, some conversations I've been having with yoga teachers recently. And um, I was really sort of inspired to to speak about this on the the podcast today out of an interest in, in really a couple of things. The the one that I think will really speak to you is I have an interest in helping you save time and save money. And you might hear that and think, well, gosh, Karen, how can you help me do that? <laughs> and I definitely can. And um, when I get into the details of the episode, you'll you'll get a sense of what, what it's about and how I can make that claim. Um, but I wanted to start with that one off the top sort of to hook you into listening to this episode, because I think for most people, if they hear that um, someone can save them time and money, like about anything, wouldn't that be something worthwhile to learn, to discover, to hear more about? So that's kind of the first priority. The second thing is I I have this, this kind of, you know, opportunity to speak to a lot of teachers throughout the year, throughout the day, throughout my weeks. And um, I, I'm always sort of intrigued by how people make decisions. You know, some people, not a lot, um, are able to make decisions quickly and they're able to live with a certain amount of risk and a little, a certain amount of the unknown. Uh, what I find when I speak with most of the yoga teachers that I talk to is that they, um, it takes, it takes a t- some time to make a decision. And a lot of different factors aren't always considered. People, and this is not yoga teachers, people in general tend to think of things um, sequentially. So I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do this. And it's always interesting to me when I'm speaking to a teacher and I say, well, what if you did this and this at the same time so that you can get what you want faster? And they'll say, oh my God, I never even thought of that. And so that's just one example of how bouncing an idea off someone 
can yield a different perspective and get you what you want faster. And, and there we are with saving time and money, because when you get what you want faster, you inherently save time and money. So one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is this idea of, of how do you make good decisions for you? How do you make good decisions for you? And, you know, the goal of saving time and saving money is part of it. But the goal is also, and this is really the heart-centered goal, but it's also the tactical goal, is to get you your dream outcome faster. So, you know, think about your, your role as a yoga teacher, your desire to be a yoga teacher, you currently being a yoga teacher and what that looks like. And think about what your dream outcome is. If I were to tell you that you could have that dream outcome faster, would that be something that you'd be interested in learning more about? And I think for most people, they would say, yes, absolutely. Like if I want to open a wellness center with yoga and acupuncture and therapy and, you know, all these other disciplines, and you're telling me you can help me get that desired outcome faster, I definitely would want to know. So that's just one example. And, you know, when you think about your dream outcome, the sky's the limit. I mean, this is not the time to cut corners. It's really a time for you as a teacher to think about what do I really want and, and to not limit what that looks like. So the process of the decision-making and the process of um, making, you know, really good, solid decisions is what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to talk about today on, on the show. And before I get into the steps, it's going to ask of you a couple of things, a couple of promises that in order for this to work, um, it would be amazing if you could make these promises to yourself. So one of the promises is to promise yourself you're going to be consistent. Because in any endeavor to reach any goal as a yoga teacher, whether it's to learn anatomy or to build that wellness center or to get a full teaching schedule or to quit your full-time job so you can teach full-time, whatever your dream outcome is, the path to getting there requires that you show up consistently. So if you teach for three months and then quit for six months and then start teaching again and then, you know, start studying anatomy and then stop studying anatomy and then enroll in a teacher training, but don't actually do anything. And then six months later, enroll in a different one. You see the pattern there, right? And of course, you're not going to get results. You're not going to get results at all, let alone fast. So in order for your your role, your life as a yoga teacher, your passion for teaching yoga to head in a direction where it's going the way you want and you're getting the results that you want and you're helping people in a way that you want, you're going to need to show up consistently. So my first question to you is, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to show up consistently? Are you willing to do what is required of you consistently? Or are you not? And, and that's really an important question to start with, because if you have a lot of excuses, whether or not they're excuses or, or really valid things, and even if you look at the things that are really valid, there's always a way to still get things done, even in the face of some pretty significant challenges. And so, you know, ultimately, 
and I'm sure you've heard lots of stories like this. If you want something bad enough, you'll do what it takes to make it happen. And showing up consistently is not only one of the best things you can do to get the outcome you want. The interesting thing is when you start showing up consistently, it gets easier because then you get what I love to talk about, which is like my favorite word, you get momentum. And once you start to build momentum, it gets easier to keep up with whatever it is you're doing, the new habits you're building, the showing up consistently, whatever it is, right? So first promise to yourself is to be consistent. The second one is to avoid shiny object syndrome. So this is what we talk about in the marketing world when it's um, it usually comes up in the form of you're working on a particular way to connect with customers. And then somebody you're talking to says, oh, I have this different way to connect with customers. And you abandon the work that you're doing for this other thing because it sounds like the grass is greener and that one's going to work a lot better. And so, again, the consistency problem comes up. You know, I actually woke up this morning to the news that, and this speaks to this concept, that Mark Zuckerberg had launched his own Twitter type platform and he's calling it Threads and he launched it yesterday, I guess a day early. And it's an outright competitor to Twitter. It's no secret that Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg do not like each other. And, um, and so over the past 12 hours, since it's been announced, almost every creator on Instagram and TikTok has been talking about, join me on threads. You know, I'm, I, I've opened a profile there. And so what I did this morning is I created a reel or an Instagram story. And I said, I'm not on threads and you can continue to connect with me here on Instagram because this is where we met. And this is a platform that I love. And believe me, I am the first person to jump on innovation, but I am the last person who will fall prey to shiny object syndrome. And ultimately, let's say for yourself, if you and I are connected on Instagram, why would I want you to have to go over to threads to read a whole other feed with musings from me on a completely different platform? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. But I can tell you, if you've been on social media today, there's a lot of people who are doing that. They are going to spend a lot of time over the next 30 days consumed by a completely different platform. And what's probably going to happen is their reach in their current platforms will probably drop. So this is the sort of thing as a yoga teacher, even though what I'm speaking about is in the marketing world and the branding world, if you're on any of these platforms to grow your community, this applies to you. And even if you're not using Instagram right now in that way, think about as a yoga teacher, when you have shiny object syndrome, it could be that you're teaching a particular class in a particular way and you see something on YouTube and you decide to completely change the format of how you're teaching your class because so-and-so on YouTube who's really popular is doing it a different way and you wanna do that. And so this is what I mean by that shiny object syndrome. So the two promises that I would love for you to make to yourself is that you'll be consistent. You'll be consistent in showing up. And the second thing is that you'll avoid this shiny object syndrome. And then the last thing is that you will be committed to thinking for yourself. And this one's really 
huge because there's a lot of group think in the yoga industry. There's a lot of things that yoga teachers have been saying forever. And it always amazes me when I speak with a yoga teacher who's currently in their 200 hour or who just graduated from their 200 hour and they're saying the same things. The same things that teachers have been saying for years. Oh, I need to get experience before I'll be a good teacher. Oh, I want to strengthen my practice. Oh, I went into teacher training to strengthen my practice, or I want to strengthen my knowledge, or all these catchphrases that everybody says. And I want you to just be really aware of these sorts of things, whether it's a narrative or a belief or something that somebody tells you is a fact. This is the way it is and really be the questioner because nine times out of 10, it's not a fact. It's not the way it is. I can tell you, cause I've been in this industry for over 15 years. There are a lot of things that people just say that are just not based in truth. And they're just like stories, like parables, like cones, like just things that people have passed on over the years and no one's questioned them. And I question everything. I question everything not to be a pain in the ass, but to constantly be putting myself in a position of teaching authentically and teaching intentionally and teaching from what I know. And something like, you know, I have to do a 300 hour after my 200 hour. That's typically something that people believe, but absolutely is not true. And we're going to get into a little of that today. So that third promise to yourself is to just be on the lookout for things that you're doing when you're just following the pack instead of thinking for yourself. All right. So we're going to get into it here and <clears throat> we're going to kind of map this out from the perspective of, you know, making a decision about crafting your path as a yoga teacher. So part of this is ideal if you are a recent graduate of a 200-hour teacher training, although this could apply to you if you've been teaching for a while. You'll just kind of pick where you are on the timeline of things. So I wanted to just start out by saying that. But the whole goal of this part of the conversation is to help you to be in the driver's seat when it comes to making decisions for what you're going to do next on your teaching path. And I sort of hate, see, teaching path, that's again, another one of those phrases that people say. It's really designed to put you in the driver's seat when it comes to getting to that dream outcome you want for yourself as a teacher. That's more of what I wanted to say. So let's start at the beginning. <clears throat> everybody, for the most part, and the exceptions are really the exceptions, because at this point, everybody, for the most part, begins um, their entry into the yoga industry by taking a 200-hour teacher training that's recognized by Yoga Alliance. Yoga Alliance is the only industry-recognized organization that registers yoga teachers. They don't certify yoga teachers. They are simply a registry. They have no boots on the ground. They have no oversight of any programs. It's 100% run on just the honor system. A studio says they have a training. They submit information to Yoga Alliance. Yoga Alliance ensures that the training agenda covers the things that need to be covered. 
The training is administered to the participants that are there. No one from Yoga Alliance knows anything that's going on, if that agenda is followed, if that agenda is not followed. <clears throat> the only way they would ever be alerted is if someone were to call them and say, hey, I took this training. They said they were covering A, B, and C, and they only covered A and B. <clears throat> and then that might cause some follow-up on the part of Yoga Alliance to that studio. I just want to start out with this brief little sidebar because many times I hear from yoga teachers, uh, I'm certified. <clears throat> and I just want to make the point that certification isn't something that Yoga Alliance grants anybody. Certification is really a fairly old industry term, <clears throat> and it's used to describe a teacher who's worked one-on-one -on -one with you who can essentially vouch for <laughs> your quality as a teacher because they've worked with you independently. Uh, they've worked with you one-on-one -on -one and they have trained you. So they certify you, they can stand up for you <clears throat> and say, yes, this person knows A, B, and C. I've watched them teach. I've um, you know, administered certain tests. I've validated their knowledge. That's certification. And you might think, well, Karen, why does this matter? And you know, ultimately, I think for the purposes of the people coming to your classes, it really doesn't matter because they're not really in the loop as to how the yoga industry works. There is, however, a little bit of just cleaning up our languaging and really more importantly, understanding really what Yoga Alliance is, right? It's not a certification body. Uh, unlike other organizations and other industries, like for instance, I have my um, my certification through NASM, which is on the personal training side of things. And that is a completely different organization, completely different industry, completely different process to become certified. And you need to take a test. And it's an administered test where you hide your valuables, where you have no way to cheat, where there's nobody to to help you. It's completely 200 multiple choice questions in a testing center. So completely different process. So having said all of that uh, as a little sidebar, again, we're beginning at the beginning. And so just about everyone who wants to teach yoga starts with this 200 hour basic teacher training and uh, ensures that it is a registered school with Yoga Alliance. Now, of course, the caveat there is some of some people are taking online training, some are taking in-person training, some are taking hybrid trainings. So that's obviously part of the mix. And sometimes there can be some difference in quality based upon how you took the training. Sometimes not. And there's definite, definite things to look for there. So we're starting out as a teacher who's taken a 200-hour teacher training and then at the end of that process, when you graduate from your 200-hour teacher training, this is a great time to ask yourself, am I ready to teach? Do I have the following skills? Can I share confidently cues? Can I easily and quickly build sequences? Can I walk and talk, walk around the room? as I'm teaching? And do I understand the key lessons of anatomy? Do I feel confident? Do I have a teaching gig or know how to find one? So those are the questions that I believe 
yoga teachers should ask themselves when they graduate from a 200 hour teacher training, because that's a perfect time, again, from a decision making process to stop and put yourself in the driver's seat instead of riding the train of everybody else. Oh, I'm having problems. I graduated from my 200 hour teacher training. Let me just enroll in a 300. No. What I'm suggesting is that you put yourself in the driver's seat and you ask yourself those questions and you see what comes up for you as you ask yourself those questions. If the answer to any of those questions is no, I cannot confidently share cues. I don't know how to effectively cue my class without reading from a script, for instance. It's taking me hours to build my sequences. I can't do the walk and talk. I'm practicing 100% or 80 to 100% with my students. I don't understand anatomy. I'm not sure when I watch people moving on the mat, I, I don't understand how to help them. I don't understand how they're moving. I don't understand when I see somebody out of alignment, why that's happening. So I'm not confident. I'm worried that people are going to get hurt in my classes. So all these things, right? If no, this is a decision point, right? If you've ever done process mapping, a decision point is a triangle. If yes, go one way. If no, go another way. So if your answer to any of those questions is yes, I have these problems, then you're at a decision point. And you can, of course, decide to do nothing, but the problem always gets worse. It always gets worse unless you deal with it or you decide to do something. Now, typically what teachers will do, and I know this just from many conversations I've had, is at this point, they'll sign up for a 300 hour or a 500 hour. And please know that this will not solve the problem because those training programs, unless they're really specific to the problem you're having, tend to be generally focused. And while there may be, and I know there are, because I've taken some, and I know a lot of teachers who run these training programs, some great programs out there, again, in terms of the decision-making process, if it doesn't help you, if it doesn't say one of its expressed goals and results to the participants is to help with XYZ problem, and you have XYZ problem, then why in the world would you spend the money on something like that? Right. So this is getting back to what I said at the beginning, time and money, saving you time and money. But if you're not in this mode of thinking for yourself, how to make good decisions, it would be understandable that you might just follow along with what the tide is doing. And the tide is saying after 200 hours, take a 300 hour or take a 500 hour. And you might spend that time and money, come out of it and still have the same problem. OK, the other thing at this point, when you graduate from your 200 hour training, that's really helpful to do is to define your mission, to define your mission, your vision, who you wanna help, the style of yoga you like to teach, if you're getting into branding of some kind, what your brand messaging is, but even put the brand messaging aside, just the basics. How do you wanna show up as a teacher? Where do you wanna teach? Who do you wanna teach? What style do you wanna teach? Like this is all, focused on you defining who you are as a teacher. I cover this as the first part of my program when I work with teachers inside my program. This is one of the first videos they watch in the video portion, and it's one of the first conversations we have. So this is like a super important conversation to have with yourself so that it sets the tone for everything else you're going to be doing. Again, good decision-making. Now. 
along the way, right? You're done with your 200 hour teacher training. I know you're connecting with people on social media. You're listening here to me on my, on my podcast. So I know you're connected to me in this way, if not other ways as well. So find teachers who can help you get the results you want. You know, if you've listened to my podcast for any period of time or followed me on Instagram, you know what I'm about. You know, you know that my passion is helping teachers be the best they can be by understanding anatomy and by understanding how to confidently show up and cue and build sequences and do the walk and talk. These are the skills that I teach. And that's part of, you know, finding teachers who resonate with you, who can help you get the results you want, results you want. That is part of putting you in control of making the best decisions for you instead of the group think I talked about earlier, or instead of just quote, shopping for programs. So all of that, you know, puts you more in control, gets you out of that group think process and gets you results faster. Now, the other piece after your 200 hour teacher training is to look for and create opportunities to teach as soon as possible. It breaks my heart when I speak to teachers who are not currently teaching and they want to, but all this time has passed since they took their original training and they just are too afraid or they feel like they've forgotten key things or they don't know how to get started again. And so these are all different scenarios where a teacher hasn't begun to teach soon after completing their 200 hour. And so now all this time has passed and it's hard to get going at that point. So again, as soon as you graduate, look for those opportunities, friends and family works, online works, just something where you need to show up regularly and do teaching, right? Be the teacher. Now, this helps as you're doing that, solidify who you are, what you want to um to be like in terms of when you show up and teach your classes. And the more you're teaching, the more it starts to highlight some of these problems, right? It's not like all of these things are going to apply to everyone. It's more that getting out there, putting yourself out there will start to bring these things to the surface. So if you graduated from a 200 hour and you're thinking, oh, everything is great, Go for it. Get that first teaching gig. Get out there and start teaching. Because once you start doing it, that's where you might start to notice after a couple of months some of the gaps that you're left with from that initial training. So some of these things, I'm going to read you a list of some of the problems that teachers might realize they're having and see if you hear yourself in any of these. You're underpaid. You're undervalued. You take too much time out of your week to prep for your classes. And what I hear from teachers, it can be anywhere from one to three hours a week, just prepping sequences, practicing sequences. You're nervous. You're worried that people are going to get hurt in your classes. You second guess yourself. You feel like you're inauthentic when you show up to teach. You use the same cues over and over again. You can't answer questions when students ask you. You use the phrase a lot, that's what I was taught to say. That's what I was told to say. Again, that's like completely giving your power away to somebody else. Like, please don't ever say that. If you don't know something, just say, you know what? Let me get back to you. Don't ever say, that's what I was trained to say because it makes it sound like you're just taking in information and you have no will of your own to make decisions 
or to take action when maybe you don't understand something. The other thing that saying that implies or suggests is that you're simply just repeating things. And I know as a yoga teacher, you don't wanna be seen as someone who's just standing there repeating things, right? You want to be seen as someone who knows what they're talking about. I mean, that's part and parcel of what we're doing when we hold ourselves out there as yoga teachers. We're saying, hey, I love teaching yoga. I love yoga and I love being here and sharing this with you. Let's begin our practice, right? And you're starting to share, you're starting to teach and it's coming from what you know, not from what you were told to say. Um, teaching from your practice, asking for feedback, asking friends for feedback. Oh, what did you think of that class? Oh, can you come take my class and give me feedback? A lot of that comes from a need to be validated, a need to feel like you're doing good as it's being sensed um, by the person in your class who's, who's maybe there to give you feedback. A lot of that, again, is giving your power away. And, and I'm using the word power a little discriminately here because it's not really about power. I'm using that word though, because I think you can get the sense of what I'm suggesting here. <clears throat> You're going in to teach a class, not because, or a different way to show up and teach your class is not yearning for feedback from the participants. It's to go in and love teaching and feel prepared and confident and sharing it from a place where it really, I know this is going to sound strange, but it really doesn't matter what they think because your heart is pure, your intention is clear, and you've done the work to show up authentically. And here it is. It's like, you don't need to make any excuses for it. You don't need anybody to give you feedback on it. It's, it is what it is, right? And so when we can show up and teach like that with little to no attachment, it's so freeing because now we're not worried about what people think. And we can just go in and do it and support our students and interact with our students, make connections with our students, and then leave. And it's just part, it's just blending into our life. It's not, oh my God, I have to teach tonight. Oh, I've been spending hours this week preparing for class. Like it doesn't have to be like this big monumental thing. The idea is to seamlessly have your teaching life integrate with your life. <laughs> uh, so any of these things, any of these specific problems, underpaid, undervalued, talking too much, taking too long to prep, being nervous, second guessing, feeling inauthentic, using the same cues over and over, um, can't answer questions, teaching from your practice, meaning on the mat instead of doing the walk and talk is what I call it, asking for feedback. These are all specific problems that hours-based trainings just really aren't geared to fix these problems. The thing that really helps you fix problems like these is to work one-on-one -on -one with a mentor. One-on-one -on -one help is key and will get you results fast. So that's when I say save time and money. You know, if you enroll in hours-based programs, you'll get great information, but it probably won't help you with the specific problems you have. Those really get addressed when you work in a more customed, custom way with someone one-on-one. -on -one. So, you know, again, the best thing is to be really specific about what it is you want. So I'm going to end this with just a quick action plan for you. Three-step action plan, or maybe four-step. So step number one, define your mission 
or vision or your dream outcome? Like as it stands right here, right now, what is your dream outcome as a yoga teacher? Can you describe that? Can you tell me what that looks like? The next thing is, what do you need to get there? What do you need that you don't have right now to get there? Are, is it certain skills? Is it, um, you know, some, some, some kind of location? Is it some kind of business plan? Is What do you need to get you that dream outcome? The next thing is what, I'm sorry, who do you already know that can help you get there? Do you have a resource? Do you know someone that can help you get that, that result you want, get that dream outcome? And then the last thing is really important. How much do you want this result? On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being, I really, really want this dream result. How badly do you want it? Because ultimately, if it's a five or below, you don't want it enough. And so all the things I talked about earlier about showing up consistently, avoiding shiny object syndrome, thinking for yourself versus group think, those things become harder to do if you're not really strongly in, in, in a strong sense of desire for that dream outcome. So if you're a five or more, I want you to send me a DM. Tell me the number that represents how much you want your dream outcome and tell me what your dream outcome is. Because I'd love, number one, to hear it. And I'd love to do some workshopping with you just back and forth in the DMs. We can just have just a quick conversation about what that would look like and how you could get there. And this is a big part of what I do with yoga teachers, just being that sounding board to help them get clearer on not only what they want, but how are they going to get there? So I hope that you have found this conversation helpful. Again, just in general, if you want to send me some of your comments about the episode, feel free to do that uh, in uh, Instagram, in my DMs. And any questions, let me know. And I'll see you, um, or I won't see you. I will connect with you on the next episode. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for listening to the end. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And the fact that you're still here and still listening is not lost on me. So thank you so much. Couple of things. If you have any questions, please contact me. Send me what your questions are directly to my Instagram DM. You can find me there at Bare Bones Yoga. The next thing I hear so much from yoga teachers that they want to be confident. They want to feel more confident. They don't want to have that nervous feeling in their stomach when they get up to teach. They don't want to stumble over their words. They want to create sequences fast and not spend so much time writing out their sequences and practicing their sequences. And they so much want to just walk around the room rather than being tied to the mat and practicing the entire sequence with their class. If any of this hits home for you and you want to develop into a more confident, authentic teacher in the next 30 days, I want you to DM me confident teacher heard it on the podcast, and I will show you exactly how you can get there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.